See y'all doing good, I guess. Good job. Good deal. Anybody ever heard that song? Yes. I got anybody. Good deal. Um, I know it's easy to hear that song, and you think about it, and Dave Grohl actually says the word best 40 times. It's, he says 40 times, and it's easy to think that he's talking about a relationship went bad. But actually, when you look and you listen, you start to see that he is actually taking a long look at himself in the mirror and saying, is everybody in your life getting the best of you? Is that pain, that hurt, those generational curses, those things in your life, are they actually causing somebody to not get the best of you? Does that make sense? Guys, I'll tell you, just a service like this makes me so glad that I'm giving God the best of me. I'm giving God the best of me. Finally, for once in my life, the last four years, I've truly been giving him the best. You know, there's days where I don't feel like I'm giving him the best. There's always days like that. God is so good, and he's so faithful. And he showed up this morning in an unexpected way. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I know a lot of, uh, you know, me and Tiffany's problems can be from the perception. You know, there's this thing in psychology, it's called an asymmetrical relationship. Has anybody ever heard of that? That's where one person feels like they are doing more than the other person. Have you ever felt like that in a relationship? Like, whether it's real or perceived, I'm doing more than the other person. Or they're giving more to their job. Or they're doing something else. They're giving more than I get. I think, for honest, that's... We've all felt that way. And, that, and a lot of me and Tiffany's biggest problems is that in some point or time, one of us was given more than the other. Like, how do you get away from that? How do you, well, you don't. At some point, something's always going to get more of your time. But what we do is we've got to focus on God. God gives his best to us. It's only right we give our best to him. Let's see. Uh, in all relationships, there's this feeling that someone else gives more. Now, what, do you believe that's a real or perceived feeling, like I said? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But, man, I, I know in our relationship over time, even, well, she'll talk about when she felt like she was giving more to me, but me and the kids can attest through um, UPS season, this peak season, they call peak season at UPS. I believe when um, Satan got through out of heaven, God threw him out of heaven, he landed at UPS. And he said, to hell with this place. And he gave it to somebody else. That's the way I feel about UPS because it stole so much of our time with her. You know, believe it or not, I love my wife. I love being around her. Me and the kids didn't get to see her ever. So we were constantly watching. Luckily, Jesus blessed me with two older daughters to help take care of my two younger kids. So, but there was times where I did not feel like I was getting the best of Tiff. She would come home and we just had an hour, hour or so with her. And she's over you know, what's going on here? I don't, I don't believe I'm getting the best of you. But, um, babe, you want to, after that great impersonation of you? I'm like, I don't think I would look like that. And she makes sounds, too. <laughs> I don't know. Um, when Casey, a lot of you know his story about um, just being in prison, but when he. Vacation. I was on vacation. Let's clarify. He... I wasn't in prison. I was on vacation. All right. When he came home, um, I felt like we finally had, like, the best version of him. And so instead of being excited or happy about it, which I was happy, I think I just subconsciously, like, was mad because I felt like he should 
pay us back for everything that we lost. Like, um, even though I never said that to him, I didn't communicate it very well. I felt very bitter about all the um, time lost or about the sacrifice. So even though I got the best of him, he wasn't getting the best of me because of how I felt and me holding in and not communicating how I felt. So the main point, the big idea, guys, and this is what we want to stress to y'all through the very few minutes we have, is that if God is not getting the best of you, nobody else is going to, right? If you're not giving everything you got to God, then nobody else is going to get the best of you. I've got a few scriptures to back that up, so you're, you just don't take it from me. But if you'll pull up uh, Ecclesiastes 9.10 on what I like to call the Sky Bible, thank you. Um, whatever the activity in which you engage, do it with all your ability because there is no work, no planning, no learning, and no wisdom in the next world where you're going. Pull up the next one. Second Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of handling the word of truth with precision. Now you're asking yourself well how do I give the best you know that you talked about there's times where your job's going to demand more of you there's times where you've got a small child and they demand your attention so another kid gets left out how do I get the best well Jesus luckily says this right here Matthew 22 37 through 39 Jesus declared love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself now, why do you think that Jesus stressed the importance of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Because he knew that if you didn't love him with everything in you, it was going to be hard for those relationships that's around you for you to pour everything into. Because there's going to be times where you just get that hour with your kid, or you just get a couple hours with your wife. But what's important is you effectively spend those couple hours you have. And I'm not just sitting on the couch watching Sports Center, which I love to do. I love Sports Center. That's not just what you're doing. You're spending time with your kids. We try to do stuff all the time, like movie nights and stuff like that. It usually gets, we do something else. But you try to, I don't know, consciously make time for your kids. And then when you have those times, you, you, you just praise God for every minute you have with them, right? Every minute. All right, buddy. Before he had went on vacation, um, he his bad, his bad was like, really bad and at this point in time i think we were just really good friends hoping maybe hoping there was a relationship but before he before he went to prison we had knew um well we found out that it was going to be like eight years that he was going to be away and i was like i'm not waiting eight years um i'm not doing it i'll just be your friend and um but god really God, I did say I'm not waiting eight years. Not going to happen. Um, but God really um, put on my heart to speak life into him. So when we're talking about getting the best of someone, I think you also need to know, like, of course, have a relationship with him and love him. But, but you also need to be obedient, even when you feel like, well, I just don't want to do this. Like, uh, believe it or not, I'm extremely insecure when it comes to singing on stage. It makes me very nervous still. Um, and he would, like, at this point in time in his life, he did not want to hear anything religious or anything. You couldn't tell him anything because he knew the word, so he would use it against you. So I was scared to always say anything, but um, the 
um, last phone call before he went to prison, um, I just wanted to be like, okay, like this is what it is. I'm not waiting this long. But God really began to put on my heart to just speak. And I was like, this is very weird. I'm very uncomfortable, but I really feel like God is telling me to tell you that he is so in love with you, that he cares about you. And mind you, really bad. Um, um, so I'm telling him that just how I feel. And I'm like, God has this love song that he's singing over you. And I just begin to sing. I wouldn't trade you for silver nor gold. I wouldn't trade you for riches untold. Cause you are, you are my everything. You are the love of my life. And so I just was like, God has this song just for you. He really wants you to know he loves you that much. And there's nothing that you've done that keeps him from loving you that much. To which he just cried. Um, but it really was like the first step to him, to me seeing, I always saw the best in him. His mom always saw the best in him. So it was hard for me to be obedient, but I did it. And I think that was just the beginning steps to it the best of him just coming out so and I think what she said being obedient man um, that's a big thing that's a big thing just being obedient to Christ I don't necessarily mean to each, each other but sometimes but just being obedient to what God is telling you to do and um, what she didn't tell you is that when and I'm trying to not cry because I'm sitting on a jail phone fixing to go to prison and you know it's an open pod and guys are just waiting to use the phone like, hey you know and I'm like I'm not crying. No, I'm not crying. Whatever. But she sent me a book called Redeeming Love. Has anybody ever read that book? Three people. Great. So y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. But Redeeming Love tells the story of Hosea and Gomer. Anybody heard that story in the Bible? Well, actually, Hosea and Gomer, um, let me, let me uh, preface this by saying that I had no, I understood conceptually what grace was, but it made no sense. I have a really analytical mind, and I think about everything, so grace made absolutely no sense to me. How can I do everything I've done, and you just say, without a give and take? See, God is a give and give. Give him your everything you have, and he gives you everything he has. It's so weird. It's so counterintuitive that God works like that because most relationships is a give and take, right? You give, you take, you give, but not with Jesus. That's what's so cool. And I had no idea that that's what it actually was. So I'm reading this story, and then I start to read the story of Hosea and Gomer. And what Hosea and Gomer is, first of all, she has the worst name in the Bible, Gomer. That's horrible. Let's just admit it, guys. That's a stupid name. But she has the name Gomer. And, um, man, what God is doing through the story of Hosea and Gomer is he's talking about not only is it a love story. See, Hosea didn't have the context of looking right then. He was just living what God told him to do. He didn't know that he was speaking, that his relationship was actually prophetic. You know, he was showing what Christ was going to do for us years and years and years later. It's so weird. So the context of that, he didn't have any idea. But I got to read that story and then see grace applied in my life like Jesus. And that's the only way I ever got what grace was, is somebody showing it to me. So it, It's so wild. So I know in my life, that's how I got it. I, I had to have somebody, God had to walk it out for me and say, I, I'm a visual person. So I had to actually have it worked out in my life, kind of like Jose and Gomer. But I would urge you guys, I know this is a um, kind of a marriage talk, but it's not just marriage. It's, if you're in a relationship, your kids, anything like that, man, if you put God at the center, like I said, uh, 
me and Tiffany are from divorce backgrounds. Obviously, I was an addict for a long time, prison, all that. Uh, ben and Amanda were dating at 14 and, like, washed up on the shore like little baby Jesuses. So, I mean, there's a lot different. But the thing is, is that no matter what, they had to have Jesus as the center of their life. We had to have Jesus in the center of life. And I think they'll tell you the same thing, that even though they appear perfect, they go through problems just like everybody else. And the, the, the core that I want to get through, the main idea, is give God everything you have, everything you have, and it will start to overflow in the relationships around you. That's what I got. Yeah, he took a lot longer in the first service, so now I can't use that against him now. Can y'all hear me out there? Uh, y'all hear me out there? Check one. There it is. Okay, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, like he said, I love this. We kind of put together this because it does. It just shows you extremely different testimonies here. And uh, I didn't put any emphasis on this in the first service, but I feel like I need to, Dale. Um, we say every... Every face has a name, or every name has a face. Every face has a story. I think that's how it goes. And every story matters to God. That's the important part at the end. Every story matters to God. And a lot of times, a man and I were extremely guilty of just like, we don't have this, you know. Anyone, anyone like, you know, the classic fairy tale, you know, Disney romance movies and all that, or maybe some Hallmark stuff? Who's, who's my Hallmark people? You know, the, I hate them. I actually respect them a little bit because they usually don't show, like, they're not inappropriate. I do respect that. So shout out to Hallmark. Yeah, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. But again, all the stories, all the stories are like, you know, the dating and up to they. All the fairy tales end. The climax part is the marriage. Like, and I'm just like, marriage is where it starts at. And again, I think they do that because no one wants to see the daily routine, the the mundane, the monotonous stuff. But again, that's where like that's where life happens. And uh, so, like he said, yes, I was 14. Uh, when I met Amanda, I don't, I leave out the part that she was 16. So she was the one that had to drive us on the dates. Um, but I DJed. So, you know, Nickelback, you know, had it going, you know, setting the tone for the evening. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, so today we actually started dating on Valentine's day. That's where you say, ah, thank you. Good job. Everybody, uh, started dating on Valentine's day 11 years ago today. So, um, praise the Lord. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and get to it. Um, so my first question for you guys today is why are our marriages not the best that they could be? Why are they not the best? And I think the answer is really simple and almost sad, but it's because we are willing to settle for less. We see that things are okay. You know, things are good. You know, there's no major bumps. There's no major issues. You know, every once in a while, this little thing will pop up. Or every once in a while, you know, something will happen. But we're not actively trying to better our marriage. We're not looking for ways to improve and look for the best. Um, we often hear the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that should not apply to our marriages. Um, and our main point today, my main point, is that you should not settle in your marriage. You should not settle with where it's at. And I think this applies not just in our marriages, but in ourselves. So often we, we settle for who we are in Christ. We settle with our relationship. We just settle with the way things are. Um, things could be better. They could be great. 
But that's going to take a little bit more energy. That's going to take more work, and you just don't have it in you. You don't feel like it's worth it. Um, and we become comfortable with being okay. You know, maybe there's an issue that you've just always struggled with. Maybe it's anxiety or depression um, or maybe an issue in your marriage. And maybe for a while, you know, when you first got back into church, you were praying, you know, you were believing God to do something. But then, you know, it didn't happen that first Sunday or you know, a few weeks passed, nothing really changed. You didn't see fruit of your labor. You didn't see the work um, coming to pass. So then you just slowly stopped praying for it and stopped believing that something could change. And you just really became comfortable with being uncomfortable with your marriage. You were comfortable with all the issues. You were comfortable with who you are, even though it wasn't the best that it could be. Um, and my point today is give your best to your marriage in every season. In every season, give your best. Um, some seasons are going to be hard. We are in a hard season right now. Um, I'm in my first trimester. I'm sure Ben might want it to be over more than me. We're super excited. It's, it's my baby, too. That's yes, the cool part. Yes. Um, but I've been really sick. So Ben has worked all day, and then he comes home and cooks and cleans, and then I just hide in the bedroom, so I try not to smell all the cooking and the cleaning. So it's been a rough season, but even in this season, I've been making sure to give Ben my best. My best in this season is not the best that it normally is, but I'm making every effort that I can, every moment that I can to show him that he is a priority in our marriage. He is a priority. I'm going to show my love and my gratefulness to him. So in every season, it may look different. Your best may look different in every season. You know, I know a lot of you guys work at TVA or you have a swing shift. You have lots of busy schedules. But even in those busy seasons, don't just wait say, oh, well, next season or in a few months, you know, we'll be through this and then we can go on a date. In a few months, you know, this season will be over and then we can start doing this. We can always look and say, well, the next season is going to be easier. But if you keep waiting for the next season, there's always going to be an excuse. You're always going to kind of just put your marriage on hold. And then by the time you finally get to it, there's going to be a lot more issues than you realized. Um, this summer or last summer, we were able to start our first garden. Um, it was an experience. His, I definitely look like a farmer, don't yes, I? Yes, we're, yeah, we're farmers. Look like a farmer. um, we do. We live on a farm. We just don't have the farm stuff. But um, we had our first garden. It was actually his grandpa's garden. He didn't have time to do it last year. So he's like, if y'all want to use it, you know, you can. So we tilled it and did all the work to get the soil ready. We went and spent a couple hundred on plants and all that stuff. But it was going to be an investment. I was going to be a homemaker. I was going to can. I was going to do all this stuff. I was ready. Um, so we planted it, and I, I knew the fruit wouldn't come the next day. You know, I knew, you know, I was going to plant it. It was going to take a little while. Um, and the garden wasn't right beside our house, so I waited a few weeks to go look at it. And then it had been like two or three weeks, and then nobody had warned me about how the weeds just absolutely take it over. Nobody told me. I knew it, but I didn't know how bad it was going to be. So by the time we finally looked at it two or three weeks later, um, the weeds were starting to take over, and it was a big garden, so I couldn't just go through and hand pull it all out. But on all of my um, plants, I saw there was lots of flowers. I was like, you know what? We can just do a natural garden. You know, we'll just go in and get the fruit as it grows. We can do this. Um, so we left the weeds and let it go. And then by the end of summer, I think we got like one zucchini and one tomato. Um, all that work. Super, super great return. Yeah, it was Came out yeah, like a very on expensive that. zucchini and tomato. Um, but it was because we let those weeds take it over. And even though at the beginning it didn't seem like it was going to be an issue, we still saw the flowers. We still saw that it looked like it was going to be okay. Eventually it just overtook it um, and overtook what it was going to be. And I actually have this quote for you. And this is actually from a, um, a book called Family Discipleship by Matt Chandler. 
Um, and I would encourage you guys, if you're married and you have kids, um, this is a great book, or just find something. This one talks about just how to actively disciple your kids mixed in with your life. You're not having to add something else to your schedule or something else you have to do. It really just how to apply it to your everyday schedule. Um, and this is what this quote says. It says, if your kids are left to grow naturally, so you can apply this to your marriage or to yourself, if you are left to grow naturally, their lives are much more likely to look like a vice-ridden thicket than a virtu virtuous spiritual vineyard. In the same manner that a garden is nurtured with loving attention, continually removing weeds, water the roots, and pruning the branches, then you will have the virtuous vineyard. We got to put work into it. We got to make our marriage a priority. We can't just settle or wait for the next season and just wait till we have time. You have to choose to make time in your marriage. You have to slowly begin to find those little weeds, those deep roots, and slowly begin to prune your branches. Amen. Oh, I got my own mic. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And just, uh, you know, you can do maintenance on your marriage now or you can find yourself in a, you know, a counseling session and trying to just put it back together. And, uh, again, that's what we've realized even at this young age. And please don't dismiss us. Like, I know some of you guys have been married longer than I've been alive. And uh, I love the boy I got T-shirts older than you. I'm just like, okay, buy new shirts. I don't understand. Like, so don't dismiss us while we're young. Uh, hear our hearts out, please. Um, so yes, just like Pastor Kate, or Tiffany and Casey said, you know, you're not going to be able to give your best until you give your best to God. And then where Amanda was saying that to give your best in every season. So no matter what comes like that is a consistent manner to give your best. And I just like to propose a question to you, uh, this morning. So how, how many times can you say that you completely gave your best to something? Now we can start to branch out cause this is uh, hopefully this marriage it is obviously very applicable to uh, people in relationships, but if you're single, if you're not looking to get and you know uh, to get married or to begin dating, that's totally fine because this applies to to any relationship out there. And if you're not having a relationship with anyone, then you need to get some friends because we're not supposed to live isolated. So how how many of you can say and this is uh, rhetorical that you have gave given the best of you to something? This could be to a job, to a uh, you know to maybe if you're uh, like me, I try to work out really hard, so I try to give my best during my training sessions. Um, you could give your best to, uh, you know, again, j just any uh, hobby or anything like that, or give your best in a relationship. Unfortunately for a lot of us, and this has to, doesn't have to be, we always ask this question, and then we're like, we think every, every sermon just applies to us, and like every question, you could be, you could be thriving in your marriage and, and could be giving your best, and that's absolutely incredible. Um, but even at giving your best, right now to someone that should be changing because my main point of today as you grow in your walk with christ your best keeps on getting better your best keeps on getting better so like i said we started dating when i was 14. i gave this woman my best but i was 14 okay your best at 14 is not very great um now believe it or not i wasn't the um the the suave confident pastor ben that you see up here and uh Got a lot of fashion. Thankfully, I've not been mentored too much by my mentor, Pastor Kelly, on the fashion department. But those shoes are nice. Those shoes are really nice. I like the shoes. But again, believe it or not, when I was 14, I was a lot less confident with a lot more poundage. All right? Uh, Josh, Josh told me this past Wednesday night, he was like, yeah, I told him y'all were my student pastor. He was telling some people at school, and he said, they said you used to be really fat in high school. I was like, thanks, maybe? I don't know. Like... I appreciate maybe the compliment, but again, 
Um, I was not very, these cheeks were chubbier, believe it or not. Um, but I still would try to give my best to her and uh, was trying to impress her, trying to think outside the box, pull out all the cards. So it was Valentine's Day and they'd set out those little like memogram things. Like, you know, you can have someone like send a letter or whatever like that. So I paid to have her, uh, they come in, they interrupt the class, they bring you a rose and then they send, uh, you know, the poem that you writ or wrote and believe it or not, I'm not a poet. So I had to improvise a little bit. So they come into her class. She is a grade above me. Or she was a grade above me, so like they had to go into this different class. I wasn't there. They bring the rose to her, and they, like, they pull out this note, and it says, From Ben, roses are red, boogers are green. You are the sexiest thing that I've ever seen. And that's and how it we worked. my heart. <laughs> it worked, all right? Someone keep milking it for all I can. But again, at, at 14, that was like, you know, that was my best. If I were to still be that immature, to still stay in that, like, how horrible would that be that I've, if I hadn't matured or if I hadn't grown in my relationship, if I haven't grown in my communication, haven't grown in my walk with Jesus and still being the 14 and, and still trying to get my best of what my best was then, okay? Again, that's going to peak out. That's, that's not going to be we would not have the relationship that we would have now if I was continuing to give the best that I had then. But thankfully, God has continued to radically do an incredible work in my life and continue to mature me and continue to just grow in me. And the Holy Spirit continues to change me. So my best now is so much better than the best that I had. So that's for some of you guys. Again, like, you said, like she was saying, you've settled for what your best was. Unfortunately, in a lot of our relationships, spouses or the other person received their best before the marriage. They receive the best to, to win you over. And unfortunately, that's where it peaks out. But through Christ, if you guys are actively pursuing Christ, your best continues to get better. And that, like Pastor Casey was saying, should continue to trickle down. So as you, you continue to prove, everything around you should continue to improve. The way, you, the way you talk, the way you love, all of that should continue to improve. And I'm going to kind of close with this because I don't like... Uh, we teach to the youth, so it has to be very how-to. It has to be very, like, step one, step two, very applicable. Um, and one thing that absolutely we have an incredible uh, incredible heart for marriage and for relationships, and it truthfully breaks my heart because so many times you see people that are, are, are really in love with each other, like uh, men and women that, I, that, you know, just really madly in love with each other but end up not knowing how to communicate it, so then it leads to issues. And uh, in this book, Love and Respect, by Dr. something Egrich, what, do you remember his first name? Um, it, it's a classic. It's Love and Respect, but he talks about men and women having, uh, men have blue hearing aids and women have the pink hearing aids. So again, like, we can express something in how we love and then it not come across that way whatsoever. And I know one way, uh, and also another book that's absolutely incredible, uh, The Five, Lung Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's uh, Acts of Service, Gifts quality time, words of affirmation, and physical touch. Bam. That one's my favorite. How would I leave that out? So, again, if I tried to come to this woman not knowing those things, uh, again, I do know her love languages, but if I come to her and I'm trying to pull her shirt off and tell her that she has the best butt this side of the Mason-Dixon, like, <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere, okay? That's not going to go anywhere. That's me trying to say that I love you, but, again, not in a way that she is going to receive that. Her words, or her love languages are gifts and quality time. That's how, that's how I express to her I love her. So, again, um, 
so what is that up there? Yeah, the communication. What I want to tell you guys is communication. Communication is key. Again, this is not just in marriage. This is in every relationship that you uh, hope. If there's a relationship and you want it to thrive, communication is key. And where we communicate to our spouses, one another, this is where it gets, begins to get specific. Communicate that she is loved. Like I said, communicate that she is loved. Figure out how she hears um, that you love her, okay? And again, if you guys haven't talked about your love languages, that's the next topic for date night right there, okay? Go date night and talk about the love languages, all right, if you don't already know what those is, so, or what those are. So communicate that she is loved, and women communicate that he is respected, okay? Communicate that she is loved, and men or women communicate that he is respected, all right? And again, like I said, it just breaks our hearts when we see uh, so many married couples uh, trying to trying to portray that, trying to actively, you know, put work in and, and express their love, but then again, it not uh, come out so commun or come out uh, clearly and like it, how it's supposed to be. And uh, so communicate that she is loved, communicate that he is respected. And then, of course, through Jesus, the best is yet to come, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, all right? The best is yet to come. So I just pray that the best is yet to come in your guys' relationships, in your guys' marriage, uh, in, your, in your life, in your family, and all around that the best is yet to come for you guys. So, amen. That's all I got. Amen. Great job. Great job. You may have uh, shirts older than Pastor Ben, but you do not have pants tighter. Come on now. He got a text there during the, his talk, and I could read it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I also can't. No, I'm not going to go there. Well, uh, this is the first time we've actually, uh, Bob is their moderator. So, <laughs> Bob's job is just to sit there and look sexy, I guess. So, Bob, I'm going to give it to you, man. We're going to answer some questions that's been texted in, and uh, and uh, hopefully, if we don't know the answers, we'll make up something. Absolutely. All right. So, first of all, we got that up. If you have a question, please text that in. Uh, here's the. Let's go with that first one, though. Uh, okay, so is it okay to have uh, separate social media accounts? Also, should my cat have its own Instagram page? Bob, is that your question? That was my question, yes. It was. <laughs> I had to start us out with something. I will go ahead and open up this one. Um, one, we, we counsel all couples, whether it's premarital, whether couples are coming in just as kind of a, um, what was the word you used there? Maintenance? Maintenance. Uh, we don't recommend couples have separate social media accounts. It is too easy for somebody to DM you or a conversation and it start out very simple and very easy and then all of a sudden you're neck deep in a conversation you know you should not be in, trying to delete messages, trying to do that. And so we, we will tell people, listen, combine your accounts. Get together that way there's no, if they're messaging you, well, they know they're messaging her also. And so that's one of the things we also recommend. This wasn't asked, uh, but we we also tell couples, you, your spouse should have your uh, password to all your devices. It should be out there. And some we've heard it say, well, that's a lack of trust. No, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. 
You shouldn't have anything that is withheld from your spouse when it comes to those things. And so we tell, listen, that's just open. You're saying, hey, here I'm an open book. Uh, you can trust me. Here it is. I'm laying it out there on the table. I would kind like, I agree with all of that statement. Um, if you're active, like, if you're going in just constantly searching, though, like the other person's account or just like, you know, it, if there, there might be like a deeper trust issue there. And again, if they've done something to betray your trust, then like, uh, again, you know, Tiffany and Casey were talking about that earlier. Like, you can't just live in that and just be constantly searching for them. So like, yes, be an open book, but at the same time, like, don't be, you know, actively thinking like, well, I just haven't found it yet or nothing like that. So like, if there's like a deeper trust issue there, you know, figure, you know, kind of figure that out. And also you shouldn't have a cat anyways, because dogs are <laughs> superior. So yeah, cats are from the devil. Um, sorry, sorry for that, Bob. No, I know, okay. I know um, you're I was going to say the cat only if it's like famous and you can make some money off okay, of it. Got it. Um, for social media, he actually is not on social media anymore. So we have a separate one, but again, we have. He knows all of my passwords. He, I know his. He, he might not know them, but I know all of his. Um, but I would say probably at any point, he has my phone. Like He actually checks Marketplace all the time on it. So it's not something that's like, oh, you can't be on my phone. Like I'm always, he's usually on my phone to get on Marketplace a lot. So he likes Marketplace. And I'll say this, it's not necessarily a matter of trust also. I think it's just wisdom, it's transparency. Because you may not say, well, I'm not looking, I'm not, but I'm on, I cannot tell you the number of times Denise and I have had to dealt, deal with where an old high school, somebody that they knew in high school, just trying to connect. And then you start reminiscing about old days. And what you started out as, as innocent now is, is not so innocent. That maybe it's not full grown, but it's not that innocent e either. So I, I think it's just transparency and just saying, hey, I'm, a, I'm an open book. So, Kate, you got anything you want to add? No, you, you did great. Thank you. <laughs> All right, uh, so we do have another one. This just came in. How does a husband properly cover his wife? Well, you got to have the right size blanket. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, no. <laughs> Casey, since you didn't tackle the last question. Talking about prayer, or um, how does a husband properly cover his wife? Um, I think it's in your actions every day. I, I, I don't think you set aside a time to cover her, which we do. I pray for her every night before she goes to bed. I just do it. That's what I do. I pray for the kids. But all day, I'm properly covering my wife. Uh, I, I mean, I just think the world of her. So automatically, when something comes up, I'm speaking the word over her. And not to give you the ultra-Christian answer, because sometimes we get in arguments and I'm not speaking the word over her. <laughs> That's just being real. But this is, the, this is who I am 24 hours a day, and I speak the word over my wife, and that's how I do it. I think you should not treat them like a, have a time set out for them, because if it gets to that point where you've got to properly cover your wife, then you probably should have been doing it all day, all day, all day. You understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Chaz, good deal. Chaz is still on drugs from this uh, surgery. Uh, I think it goes more than just covering. I think, because uh, I think a lot of uh, times, this is husband and wife, uh, they'll see something, instead of covering, they'll go to their friend 
and they're actually uncovering some things in that person's life that were not meant to be uncovered by anybody. It, it's meant to stay right there and talk about it right there. The best way to cover your spouse is to pray for them, see them, and communication, guys. Denise can tell. She, she knows if I'm having a bad day. She knows if I'm having, hey, is something wrong, babe? What can I pray with you about? You know, what's going on in your life right now? And having that openness and that communication is one of the ways. Uh, because if it gets to that point where they're full, man, yeah, I think God can restore. But if you'll start now covering instead of uncovering, I think that'll save you some room because I can't believe y'all argued. Denise and I never argued. <laughs> no. Wow, this is a hard audience. All right, this next question. Yeah, we're going to go with this. was actually, uh, it, it's pretty general, but I'm going to add something too to it. Uh, it says, what thoughts were running through your mind on your wedding day? Also, how have those thoughts changed? Five, ten, fifteen years in. in yeah, let's, let's hear from you, Bob. Uh, oh, so you okay? So, uh, I mean, what was running through your mind on your wedding day? Uh, do you want the the Christian answer, <laughs> or we want the real answer? Well, you know, I, here's the deal. Okay. Uh, so, mom just, and dad's on the front row, right? And, and, my, and Kelsey's mom and dad I'm are so here. I'm so glad that my Go dad ahead. is here for this. Uh, Go ahead. And my in-laws. Uh, no, I mean, like, here's the deal. Okay, I would I just, say that I just wanted to pray that, over. Like, I wanted to get to the hotel room and just pray over. Like, and I'm sure. And read the word sure with us. That's, that's what's uh, going on. Just get in the spirit. But I think, uh, I think too, you know, uh, probably just to kind of like couple that question is. Um, you know, because there there is a time when that honeymoon phase is over. There's a time when that did I spit just now? I'm sorry. There's a there's a time when that honeymoon phase is over. You know, and so how do you keep that that same? Because there's I mean there's obviously there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of things that are going on in your mind like at that moment. But you know, five ten years down the road, how do you keep that passion? That's a good question that I think that somebody else. <laughs> Uh, should answer. All right, I'll try. Just turn the question to another question. I'll, yeah. I'll try to go. So yes, uh, Amanda and I did remain abstinent until we got married. So I was driving in the like we were going on a cruise. So I'm driving in the car like this the whole time, just like we're ready to pull over now. Like where we're going to stop at. So finally we got to, and it was glorious. But uh, to be on that, like, in all seriousness. Like I said earlier, like we think that this like marriage, you know, here's like the, the, the climax area and then it's just like downhill from there. And that's so, that's just such a false narrative. Um, we overlook the monotonous and the mundane and the everyday, but like, that's just where life happens. And again, to, there are things, I guess, to like rekindle fires, you know, like date nights and stuff like that, just like actively pursuing one another. But again, like, there's just a love there that like, if I guess to make it clear, like if, if sex was actually what brought you guys together, like that's why you got married, then the marriage isn't going to last. But like when there's an authentic love there that I want to spend the rest of my life with you, then like there's not going to need to be a lot of rekindling the fire, I guess, like just cause it's there. Oh, you're so I really young. didn't mean like I was, you're so young. Let's talk to somebody who's married a little right. bit longer than, uh, I think you're constantly rekindling the fire. I think you're con it's a constant thing right now. They're, they're young. Uh, but to me, it's a constant kindling. 
And I think that's where a lot of couples lose out. They take for granted what they had. And, and that's why you've got one that'll start looking for that feeling they had when they were young somewhere else. But when it, if they would just begin to pay attention more, I, I tell people, man, date nights are a, and, and I hope y'all know we're talking about marriage questions. I, I usually tell people PG 13 or our Sunday mornings, but you know, you know, even Bob shared something with me a couple of weeks ago. Don't know if he'll mind me sharing it, but he can tell me. He said, you know, me and my wife, we talked, said, Hey, we're going to start scheduling our sex. And he's like, I don't care. Just make sure it's on the calendar. And he said, because they were so busy that you you kind of, are, do you understand what I'm talking about? You get so busy, and, and, and I, I'm just telling you, people that tell me, well, well we just don't, we're not intimate. I'll, I'll make it a little easier for you all. We're not as intimate as we used to be. Well, somebody's given up then. Somebody's given up in that relationship. Uh because, you know, one of the things, me and Denise, we're, we go on a, a regular date day, date night, whatever it is. We make time for that. And when it, even it's not about the sex, it is about us getting together and making sure we've got time by ourselves. Making sure we've got time. My daughter here is so uncomfortable right now on the front row. Hey, how do you think we made you? Uh, but making time for ourselves. Without kids, without grandkids, without friends even. Are you hearing me? Because a lot of times we'll count going out on a date when we've invited two or three other couples to go out with us. You know, that may be a date, but that's you need to have that one-on-one -on -one time with your spouse, with your fiancé. So, that good, Bob? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think rekindling it, man, send out texts throughout the day. You know, I, you know, Denise will tell you, I'm the one, I'll send her an emoji, I'll send her something, or I'll, I'll get one out of the blue from her. That just lets them know I'm thinking about you throughout the day. So. Uh, okay, so here's wait, another. Wait, my I want to share something on the, the wedding day, because the guys kind of went on the, the far side of, I didn't. you know, your where husband, guys always go. Your though. husband didn't. But, <laughs> but I think um, what most people are thinking on their wedding day is just about the day, the excitement, the celebration. They don't really consider what comes after that, the work that goes into making your marriage good, the work that goes into every day making sure that you're taking care of your spouse and that you're, you're doing what's better for them sometimes, dying to yourself every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, because you want to you wanna be your best for them. So I think on the wedding day, most couples are not thinking about that. They're not thinking about how to keep the passion going because passion is really strong on that day, as we've heard, but it takes work. It takes work. Marriage is hard. Kelly always says um, dating is, what is it about blinding? No, no, love is, love is blind, but marriage is eye-opening. And that is so true. We, together, we both have a really good brain right now because um, I have to ask him questions that I don't understand. Sometimes I'm missing part of it, and he fills in for me. That's after 30 years of marriage, so you're welcome. <laughs> I'm not even sure I understood that last part. <laughs> well, what I mean is that sometimes our, we grow together so much as a couple that sometimes what I'm thinking, I can't get a clear thought on it because I am getting older. I know that y'all don't realize that, but I am getting older. So sometimes my mind doesn't think like it used to, but you fill in the blanks for me and I fill in the yeah. blanks for you. Praise the Lord. Yes. Wow. It's like we complete each other's. Oh. No, help me out. <laughs> Sentences. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> 
wait a minute. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> Nothing. Next question, please. Uh, who, who, uh, where's that? Can you pull that? Yeah. Who should handle the finances uh, and should couples have separate accounts? Who, who wants to start this one? I'll go. The, uh, the, the person who's better with the finances should be the one that handles the finances. It shouldn't be a gender issue, in my opinion. I think sometimes guys are much better at it, and, and sometimes the women are much better at it. And I think whoever is a, the better person, the one that has more wisdom there, the one that knows how to budget and make sure the bills are paid and all that, I think that's the person that should handle the finances. Should couple have separate accounts? I don't think so. I think it should be a joint account, but there are, t there are exceptions to every rule depending on if there's a business account and somebody has to manage that. But I think you should have a joint account because um, you're, you're a joint. Well, it, it always troubles me when we counsel with people that say, well, that's my money or that's his money or her money. To me, you're, you're one. What, what do you mean that's his money, that's her money? You're supposed to be one. And, and I know there's, like Denise handles their money because I, one, I just, as long as she tells me we got money in there, I'm good. Uh, and if I was to sign a paycheck, they would think it was forgery because I haven't signed one in so long because she does it. Uh, and I just know she handles the money well. She's one of those that uh, I'll be sitting there uh, and she's going through the bank. Were, were you at Zaxby's yesterday? Yes. Because she's going through making sure there was no, and thank God she did it because we actually got a fraud alert of like uh, $1,200 or something like that the other day. And so, and so that's one of those things. But I have also got men, well, that's the man's job. And one of my favorite stories is Denise and I were, uh, this couple had come in for, to us for a counseling on money. It's been years ago. And he handled the money. And I said, well, why don't you allow her to, to, to try it? Because she wanted to try handling the finances. Well, I'm the man. I'm supposed to handle the money. And I said, well, if, if you handled it well, you wouldn't be talking with us right now. You know. And uh, he said, well, what's your point? I said, well, if you handled your finances well, you wouldn't, because they just come in there. They told us they'd been to a concert over the weekend. They both had T-shirts. I'm, I'm a concert person, so you're spending at least $30, $35 on a T-shirt. They both had new piercings. And I'm like, um, somebody's got to handle the money better than you do. And uh, so I would suggest giving it a shot. But it's, it's a thing where, who handles it, like Denise said, who handles it best? Who is, and now we will say we've got a, uh, a spending limit that we'll have on each other. Like I think Case even said this, and it's mine, Denise's also in the first service, but if we're going to spend uh, over $100, we're going to talk to each other about it. We're going to make sure things are okay. We're not just out there spending money, money freely. Yeah, that too. Y'all got anything I want to add? Bob's texting his wife. Are you hearing this? <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, are we going to the next one? Next one. Uh, next one's going to be, when should my kid be allowed to start dating? I'll take this one when I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> when I'm dead. That's when. Next question. Well, no. <laughs> I can't, I can't speak. I, I do like this question. Obviously, Judas too. Uh, so not really applicable to me, but we do work with the students on this a lot. Um, and I also come from, uh, it, it's just different with every kid. Um, so my parents seen that 
uh, for my older two brothers, they had tried something and it actually didn't work out so great. This is live, so talking about y'all. Um, it actually, like, they had just had to run into some issues and they actually said, like, hey, let's, let's do something different. So, again, they allowed us. I, I know that we are a rare couple, um, but we did. I, I was 14 when we started dating. So it does depend on every kid. And um, all of our dates were with his parents. So. Yeah. I always that tell my kids, great. this is an old school thing that was told me, to me, NBA, and it's never be alone. Um, never be alone, because it's pretty hard to get handsy with your girlfriend when your mom is sitting next to you. It doesn't work out well. So, again, when they start dating, uh, whenever, you, whenever the parents together decide that, um, go on them dates with them. Uh, don't let them be alone. Uh, and another thing, like, like I said, it depends on the kid. We had one student that would bring a new girlfriend in every week to introduce us to on a Wednesday night. So I would introduce them, tell them it was super nice, nice to meet them, like great to have them, all this. And then next week it would be a new person. And then I finally got to the point where I told them, I was like, listen, I'm super glad to have you, but I'm not going to put any effort into getting to know you because you're going to get dumped in a week. And then <laughs> I, I was correct as well. So, again, in that case... They need to work on themselves. They absolutely do not need to be dating. But, you know, it just depends, I think, on the kid. Okay, I'm going to – because I, I do I, – I agree. I think it depends on the kid. Denise and I had the rule in our house. Uh, till they were 16, they didn't date. And then when they did date, their first dates weren't by themselves. They were out with other people. Uh, because, one, I just don't think uh, – in teenagers, I don't really care if you like me or not. I don't have to go home with you. Um uh, uh, well, I do care if you like me. I, I, I live for that. But parents, here's what we've got to understand. We're not called to be that kid's friend. We're called to be their mom and dad. That means you make decisions they're not going to agree with, and you stick by them, and they're going to get mad at you. Uh, but, but we made that decision, hey, you're, you're not going to date till you're, till, till you're this age. I, I don't care. I don't care. So, and if, it's funny to me when I hear like these 12 and 13 year olds, oh, I'm dating this. And I'm like, how are you going anywhere? You're not dating. You may like each other at school, but that's the extent of it. But also, I don't think, I think there, and it does vary, but most teenagers are not mature enough to handle their feelings in those scenarios. And they find themselves in a, in a scenario where where uh, the hormones get going, and and I'm gonna tell you, most experts will tell you they are not ready to handle that level uh, uh, of what's going on in their bodies right then. And me as a parent, it is my responsibility to not make Sheridan, Zion, and Kendi, even April, like me. It's my responsibility to protect them because I've been in the world a little longer than they have. I know, like, hey, everybody's not a Ben. Most guys are not a Ben at 14 years age. 14 years of age, amen. And most girls are not an Amanda at 16 years of age. And, and praise God when it does come along. But parents, I think we've got to be wise and watch what our kids know. Yeah, one of the things my dad and mom never let me do if if my girlfriend came over, we weren't going to sit on the couch and watch TV alone covering up with a blanket. It wasn't going to happen because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of stuff that can go on under a covered blanket. And, and guys are tricky and girls are tricky, I found out. Come on. So that's, that's where we stand. And, I, you know, Bob, when my daughter was your age, I agreed she's never going to date until I'm dead. 
Casey, you've got two upcoming teenagers. You and Tiffany. Y'all have really hammered down everything. Really good. But if I'm honest, though, and I think um, I think that if we're honest, that guys have a, a certain age in their head that's different for a girl, their daughter, or their son. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It shouldn't be like that. But most of the time, we are we express ourselves different than, hey, I don't want my daughter to ever date. And we kind of encourage our son to date. That's weird. Uh, that's something we have to break off and treat them across the lines equally. And uh, Kaylee and Chloe will not date until they uh, graduate college. <laughs> so. We got another one. I want to go ahead and, because uh, uh, this is actually a really good one. It says, what if I have a different parenting style than my spouse? Also, I'm going to kind of couple that with, like, how far do I bend my style to fit that style? That's a good question. Casey, won't you tip it? think we have very different parenting styles um I at first like when because I do have older kids that came into our marriage so at first um if I'm honest I was very protective over them because our um my marriage with their dad was very difficult um so they were like my best friends like it was just us so I was very very protective over them so if but Casey was very gracious like he it was never like oh they're your kids so um I I feel like our parenting style has always been the same um but coming in I feel like I did have to show him grace and let him say some things that didn't hurt my feelings at first there were some things I was like "Mm, you're treading on because I was so protective over them. But then there were some times where he was like, he would pull me to the side and say, babe, that was very harsh. You need to be careful about what you say, how you say it. But I'm way more patient than she is. It's very true. Um, but our parenting styles are not different. I think I had to show him grace and he showed me grace. So therefore there was a balance like on how to like treat them or how we discipline them. Parenting style is being verbally abusive. That's never, it's never okay, right? So there, you're going to have different styles that might uh, contrast. But if you're, if they're verbally or physically abusive, it's not a cool parenting style, and uh, you should probably stop doing that. So. that. That goes in a lot of different areas. Like we all want to meet in the middle in this area, like and and compromise our things so that we can have some unity. But again, if they're not. If they're far from the truth or far from what the Bible says, then you don't compromise, like you say. But, I mean, again, communicating, explaining that. Amanda and I, like Tiffany, are pretty much consistent. Again, Judah is just about to turn three. So this is probably going to differ over the course of his life. But, again, be consistent. And I think Pastor Kelly and Denise said this in the first service, like, communicate that but also like do it in private so if i start if i start disciplining him i'm a little bit of a tougher love guy that's how i was raised amanda's much more of the nurturing like come here my baby's perfect he's never going to do anything wrong in the world and then i'm like i know i'm perfect but again no um so again just like be consistent on that and then uh like i use this example like when one kid asks you for something and then your answer is no and they go to the other parent like it's going to be no because, again, it's a consistent thing. Like, there shouldn't be a, I'm going to go ask them. And I think I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'm more prone to say yes. But now if Amanda said no, like, I'm not going to undermine her. Like, I'm going to respect that. I'm going to be consistent with her. I think, too, I just really want to add to this real quick. Uh, 
and maybe just specify just a tad, but I think that you'll find a lot of times in, in marriages and, and parenting that it's, it's natural to have one parent that's more of the disciplinary and another parent that's more of the nurturing type thing, but it works really well together. What, what happens when you have one parent that, that believes um, that the child should be reprimanded with, with a, a, whoop, a whip, and then the other one, uh, a whip? you know, just that you should whip your child, you know, spank your child. Spank you. And then you have a, the other parent that believes that, uh, no, not at all. Like, you shouldn't do that at all. And I'm not saying in, in terms of, like, taking it too far to, like, physical abuse, but, you know, I mean, I was raised, if, if you mouth off, you're getting your butt beat. You know, and so, uh, you know, how do you, how do you do that when it's, when it's that, there's not really necessary, because I don't think we can stand up here and say, well, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. You know, how, how do you, how do you do that with, with the, the parents there? Like, where do you find a compromise there? I want to hop on for a That's second. That's a tough question. Um, because I think a lot of times, obviously Judas are on the kid, but we're around a lot of kids and different kids respond differently. Um, our nieces and nephew, like there's one, like she has to be spanked or she's not going to listen. And then the other one, like if you just get onto her, like she's going to go to her room and cry. So I think a lot of the times you got to work together as parents to see what works for each kid um, and just really pray and just figure out, you know, which way they respond to better. I think, I think discipline has changed from when we were kids to what it is now. Even in sharing them as they were older, uh, what hurt them more than a whipping? Because we were raised, hey, absolutely, we'll, we'll whip your kid. Well, uh, I mean, that's the way we were raised. But we discovered what hurt them more was taking the phone away, taking video games away. I mean, you would, you would think they had lost their right arm. And they would, they would rather you give them a choice between taking the phone away and a, and a whipping. They'd be like, hey, the pain will be over in a couple minutes. Get the phone, I'll take the whipping, you know. So I think d discipline has changed over the years. Uh, now, that I've seen some of y'all's kids that probably could use a good <laughs> whipping. But that's not for me to say. Or, uh, but, uh, no, I, think it, I, th I do think it depends on the kid. But I also think it's changed over the years where... More than a spanking, it hurts a kid for you to take something away from them. So, um, do y'all want to do one more question real quick? We're at the close. Yeah, my mother-in-law just texted me and said, wrap it up, no more questions. So She's in the nursery. She's in the nursery. So, uh, I think that was it. Just for that, we're going to go just one for that. more question. All right, we're going to go to one more question. Uh, I'm not going to this question, but he's going to. Uh, let's go with, uh, it's just real quick. Let's do one more a real, real quick, quick one. Real quick one. Oh, there was one that said, uh, how do I find a godly partner? How do you find a what? How do I find a godly partner? Well, you look in godly places. You're yeah. not going to find them out there at the bar. You're not going to find them out, you know, uh, hip hop. You're not going to find them swapping right or left. I know some have, but that's rare. That's rare. Uh, you know, the Bible does talk about being, uh, not being unequally yoked, and that's one of the things I think you need to stress, man. You need to date someone who has the same values, the same belief systems as you do, because I know a lot of girls date evangelistically. They say it's easier for me to find a good-looking man than make him, uh, than, you know, than a godly man, so I'll find a good-looking man and make him godly, which doesn't work, so they date evangelistically. But no, find some of those same values, same principles that want the same things in life. Because, but it's, it's going to be, if you're looking in a garbage dump, don't be surprised when you find garbage. Are you hearing me? 
I think, too, it takes a lot of prayer on your, and a lot of self-discipline on your part. Um, you need to pray about what, what you're looking for. You need to ask God before you decide to ask someone out. And what is the purpose of asking someone out? You need to really be careful who you do ask out on a date or who you go out with because you never know where that's going to lead to. It can change your destiny. So you have to be really, really prayerful about who, you know, what kind of person you want to marry and look at the qualities of those people that you're, that you're even considering. Do they line up with what you feel like God has called you to and who God has called you to? If not, move on. Move on and just and hold off until God brings the right person into your life. Um, I was a single parent for what about 15 years, and I just could not <clears throat> could not understand why God wasn't bringing someone into my. <laughs> this is a funny story. Why God wasn't bringing someone into my life? I was get so frustrated because I was the bridesmaid for so many weddings, and I was like, God, when when are you going to bring a husband into my life? I have this daughter I'm raising by myself. I need someone. And uh, I just could not understand God's plan because I was praying and praying and praying. But when I look at it now, Kelly and I are almost 10 years apart. I'm almost 10 years older than him. And I was like 20, 25, and he was 15. And, you know, and it was just, it would not work out. I mean, you know, he... He's a cougar. <laughs> no, I'm not a, I'm not a cougar. I think it's uh, several more years than that. But, uh, you know... It, you get frustrated because you really your your emotions take over. But you have to you have to hold on to the promise that God is going to bring someone into your life. He promises to give you a good godly partner if you see, seek Him and seek His will for your life, not your will, but His will. And one one thing when we when we look back, go ahead and stand with me. We'll close out. Bob, will you uh, give me some music over here? Um, yeah, go on, go ahead and stand up. Uh, we'll close out. When we look back over our lives, we actually were at a lot of the same concerts at the same time. Uh, we were at a revival held by Perry Stone down in uh, Saudi Daisy at the same time. But, you know, her being nine and a half years older than me uh, wouldn't have looked right. Uh, but, hey, I was into older women then, so I would have said, yeah, come on. Come on. But God worked, worked those things out. Uh, I want to pray.